is a man who's using porn investing in himself and a relationship with a future wife or his actual wife? Um, is he investing in the young lady who's been abused in the sex traffic world and people mm -hmm. have always treated her for her body and only looked at her for the physical? Um, is he investing value that's gonna add to his life and his wife's life? Or is he consuming? And you know what a Hey, I'm very excited to welcome our guest today. Former NFL quarterback Jeff Kemp has joined Last in Line podcast today. Jeff had an extensive career in the NFL with 11 seasons. He played for the Rams, 49ers, Seahawks, and Eagles. Uh, he has an MBA from Pepperdine University, and he actually had several ups and downs through his tenure in the NFL, which led to a lot of lessons learned and led to a lot of life application skills that is that have benefited him in the work he does today. Um, Jeff started Jeff Kemp team, which uh, he soul coaches, what he calls soul coaching. Uh, CEOs who want to invest in relationships and team culture. He created the Men Huddle, uh, which is basically his mission to men, fathers, and husbands to just open the eyes as men and leaders. And he really touches servant leadership, which I love uh, because that's what this podcast is all about. And then we talk about his book called Facing the Blitz, Three Strategies for Turning Trials into Triumphs. We're going to unpack this book because there's so much meat on the bone that I cannot do it justice on my own. I'm going to need his help. So, and it's my pleasure to welcome Jeff Kemp to Last in Line Podcast. So it is my privilege and honor to welcome Jeff Kemp to Last in Line Podcast. How are you, sir? I'm good, John. How's it going? It's going good, man. Thank goodness for good people who connect good people. And, uh, you know, in any ordinary circumstance, we might not have crossed paths, but thank you to Kent Evans from yep. Manhood Journey for connecting us. And, man, I will tell you, I, I'm no spring chicken. Uh, so grew up in the 80s. And, man, I remember watching you play in the NFL. And I just – I think I remember most, and, and I don't know how you'll take this, but I think I remember most just grit and kind of this gutsy scrapper kind of guy. Like you may not be the first draft picked in the draft, but you're, you're going to go to battle and you're going to fight and you're going to bleed with everybody shoulder to shoulder. Is that a fair assessment? Well, fair since I wasn't uh, even drafted much less the first <laughs> round draft pick, I was a free agent and uh, I didn't play till my fourth year really. And I always just kind of felt like I'm gonna hang in there. I'm gonna persevere. I'm gonna get my chance. I'll be the best team man I can be. God's in charge of this thing. Um, work hard and uh, act like you've been there. Uh, yeah. And yeah, I did. I could take a hit and I you have to take a few hits in the NFL. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting because your, uh, your book facing the blitz, uh, would elude to the fact that you know what to do in certain situations where stuff's coming at you that you may or may not have expected. And the beauty of this talk is some of your work 
obviously parallels today with some of the things you went through and the way you were shaped by your experiences in the NFL. Um, good, bad, or indifferent, I think we're all shaped by our experiences. And so your wheelhouse aligns with what we do here. So you're a big servant leadership guy. You're a big community group of dudes that are like-minded that know how to rally the troops together and not isolate. So we're, we're right in the same swim lane and man, I want to talk about your book in a little bit, but before I do that, I'd love to get some of your ideas on just the way that you, what was your inspiration to get in this line of work when you came out of the NFL, you know, you're, you have a master's degree. And, and so what was your inspiration to really have a heart for guys in this way? Well, my dad was a pro quarterback for the bills. So that's what he was doing when I grew up and then he ran for Congress. So leadership mm -hmm. uh, taken for granted. In fact, every time we left the house, my dad would say, remember your camp, be a leader. You're a camp, be a leader. Nice. Drilled into us. And it, it meant not just are you the starting quarterback, uh, not just are you, you know, uh, leading the, the group, but you're setting the pace. You're setting yeah. the And you're supposed to make things better for other people. Uh, that's the way my dad's political leadership was. And uh, a great quarterback makes things better for others, right? You, you serve the receivers. You, you get the ball to them. Uh, you rally the guys. You encourage them. Um, so... Football was key at training me for leadership. My faith kicked in my very first year of football. And I knew that leadership for God's purposes was better than for my purposes. Um, and then I got discipled through some great Christian buddies and chaplains and friends during football and all the teams I was in. Um, and then I was thinking about after football, I want to use the platform to yeah. help people. And the big need was kids and the way to help kids if you want to go upstream and solve the problem ahead of time, that's affect marriages and men and dads. And uh, so that's how I got into marriage and family work and fatherhood. Um, and today kind of smack dab in the middle of training and equipping men to know their identity, to figure out their purpose, like with an eternal perspective, not just, Hey, you know, make a profit, have a good vacation, uh, go home. Um, and, Secondly, and thirdly, you know, after their identity and their purpose, how to have relationships that work. Mm. God's relational mm. and he made us relational, but we don't do so good at the relationship part and we don't get trained well at it. Um, so that's what I want to help guys do. Yeah. Part of that, like you mentioned, community, I call it friendship. I call mm. it huddle. Uh, I don't know if guys use the word community. Hey, let's have some community. Hey, let's have some fellowship. Um, but they, they do want to have a couple of close friends. They do want that's to right. have a couple of buddies. They do want to know that someone's got their back. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I'm talking about friendship a lot. Frankly, 2000 years ago, Jesus laid it out. He turned those 12 guys into his friends, mm -hmm. taught them how to be friends with each other because they weren't. Yeah. And then deployed them two by two to go out as friends. And nothing good happens, uh, John, without a team, right? You, yeah. you out of alcohol addiction, sex addiction, uh, anger and frustration, yeah. your marriage get healed by yourself. You can't get healed from some trauma of your childhood all by yourself. Um, you can't grow as a believer in Jesus uh, by yourself. You need some support. You need a team. Yeah. And common denominator of that, the smallest common mm -hmm. denominator of that is deep friendship. 
Yeah, I agree. And, and I mean, guys are storytellers and we like to get around each other and tell stories and, and to, to simplify your point of, we can't grow spiritually by ourselves because guys like to get around each other and go, Hey, I was struggling. Well, I say they like it. We'll unpack that for a second. I don't know that we always like doing that, but we, we are wired to get around each other and go, Hey, this week, I struggled with this. What about you? Oh yeah. Yeah, I did. Actually, I didn't want to say anything because I figured I was by myself. And so then you guys start telling stories and then we start using the Bible to get out of the weeds. And so I think that's where the rubber meets the road with all this, but it's, it's first maybe understanding that it's more than just intellect. It's more than just how much Bible we know. Right. In fact, and I, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back for the, the segue here, but you talk about something in your book called ERQ versus the IQ, right? We all know what the IQ is, but the emotional relation or uh, emotional relational quotient. So tell me why that's important. Tell, tell guys that are listening why it's important to maybe get into um, dissecting our emotional relational quotient versus just how smart we might be. Oh, well, at the end of the day, if you can't get people to join you in the things you're doing, and if you can't get along with your wife or with other people, you might make a lot of money. You may get some trophies, but you're not a happy dude. You got to have something to play with, right? There's got to be someone, you know, at your birthday party. There's got to be someone at the victory celebration. Um, And that takes relational wisdom. And you need to know a little bit about your emotions and other people's emotions and a little bit about your relational needs and their relational needs. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is to get to know their needs first, like seek to understand before being understood. Um, so no one was better at this than Jesus. He read people's situations and he, he approached them the way they needed to be approached. Um, and he, he was always empathetic he might have called them out and said some truth to them, but he started, you know, by kind of reading their situation, validating them. And, you know, the typical thing with husbands and wives, uh, the wife tells a problem or un- unloads some piece of emotion that she's sensitive about and she tells him and her husband quickly goes into fix it mode. Oh, that's not yeah. that big. All I got to do is this. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. She doesn't feel like you loved her. And you say, yeah, sure I did. I was fixing your problem she needs to have her emotions validated to, to feel her personhood validated and loved. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. we are Q and yeah. since gals and they want to be married and they want their marriage to go well, they need some ERQ plus a leader at a company. If you don't know how to handle introverts and extroverts, people that have been wounded and traumatized and people that haven't people that grew up without a dad or people that grew up with a dad, um, all different personalities, you're not going to get the best results from your team and, and create that culture. Yeah. I yeah. Saw, and you know, Pete Carroll, of the Seahawks, he was really good at this. Uh, Steve Kerr of golden state warriors. Fabulous at this. Greg Popovich. Yeah. Awesome at this. Those guys. Yeah. not. And if, team. and if you, I would say too, you know, if you're, 
aware of those emotional dynamics, then you can pivot like you should when it comes to each member of your team. You can't just, it's not a one size fits all. Hey, I'm a good leader. Here's how I lead. You guys figure out how to fold into that process. It can't work that way. And so I hear you say like, we got to know when to pivot emotionally. And, but, but I'll push back a little because I want to hear your take on this because just your average ordinary guy that may not be aware enough or maybe smart spiritually intelligent enough to always go back to well jesus did it so i can do it because we don't always go there even though it's true right so you're using two words that guys really kind of make guys uncomfortable emotional and relational and then you got quotient at the end so how how do you get guys to wrap their brain around this whole emotional relational quotient when it comes to building those tribes building those you know those fraternities the guys, the dudes, the huddles, how do you get them to wrap their brain around those two words that sometimes they run from? I probably wouldn't start off my approach. To- <laughs> I'll push back on you. Let's not start <laughs> with emotional. And yeah, yeah. Uh, but you waded right into it. Uh, and the truth is, if your life isn't going well, it's probably because your relationships aren't going well. And you may not think it's your fault. Mm. You may think your teenage daughter is being unrealistic or your son's being a knucklehead mm. or your wife is super sensitive and prickly um, and critical and you don't like her tone. But you don't understand that emotionally you're not connecting with them at the heart level. Yeah. You don't understand that relationally you aren't listening to them understanding their style, responding to them. You, you don't even know much about yourself. And, you know, to, to, you have a hard time saying, hey, one of the things I'm learning about myself is that I hate to fail. And that's why I get so def- defensive quickly with you, sweetie. Um, and I'm trying to get better at that. As soon as you say something like that, she goes, oh, he's starting to learn that he's defensive. And, and, and he's trying to grow in that area. And she, and she might work with you and she'll give you more credit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, those those are really important words for making your relationships go well. I don't know that they're as intensely important for having a dude friendship. You know. Yeah. You yeah. But it's more or less a place for you to process your emotions. Yeah. Some of your relationships by talking it through with another guy, and he doesn't have to be a psychologist or a therapist mm-hmm. and say be really hard all he needs to do is not say dude you're an idiot or i'm never going to talk to you again or you're the only one in the world who has that problem yeah Um, a true level five friendship that's what i call the deepest level of friendship Mm -hmm. like i have with guys that i huddle with every week we've committed that we're safe with each other we're confidential it's it's a no judgment zone yeah Yeah. so we have those agreements guys are willing to open up and talk. Yeah. They're usually not sure, John, if a relationship is was safe, even with a guy they've been friends with for 20 years. Yeah. They haven't defined it. They don't know the boundaries. They're not clear on the purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, towards the end of this podcast, we talk more specifically about how to coach up some guys to deepen their friendships, have a huddle, how to get over some of the hurdles. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I like that. I like that because, and you know, the reason I brought that up is because it was in, 
in your book, it was of the three strategies for, you know, overcoming trials and triumphs. It was number two was be willing to change. And I think, I mean, does that fit our series? I would think it does since we're talking about game changers. And I think guys, in order to really catch our stride and create a, a cadence amongst dudes and, and that impacts the world around us, we got to be open to some change areas. And so to, to, to be a game changer, we got to look within. So I think that was important to talk about that emotional relational, but you also mentioned consumers and what you call them investors. So in guys, so let's just, you know, we're going to dial into guys and, and being in those huddles and we can even transition into huddles if you want, if you, from this standpoint, but consumers and investors, like, our guys naturally, you, you mentioned in your book, we're naturally trained to be consumers, right? The world tells us how to be a better consumer. The world just dangles the bait in front of us to be better consumers. So talk about that as it relates to like guys and really kind of sharpening iron, sharpening iron. Does it, does it matter that much? And if so, how do we get to be better investors? Well, you, you refer to the fact that like, Today in America, you're getting so many advertisements hit at you digitally, see maybe a thousand a day. And they all say, it's all about you. You deserve it. You deserve a break today. Uh, get rid of the mm -hmm. old one. It's not good. Get the new one. Uh, build your brand. Um, you know, you're special. Um, so everything's tailored to you, right? Yeah. And the investor consumer chapter in the book um, is really about the fact that we make the mistake to carry that attitude. Mm -hmm. to our relationships that i mean is a man who's using porn investing in himself and a relationship with a future wife or his actual wife um is he investing in the young lady who's been abused in the sex traffic world and people mm -hmm. have always treated her for her body and only looked at her for the physical um is he investing value that's going to add to his life and his wife's life or is he consuming and you know what a consumer does he spends the money in the asset value of the bank account goes down so yeah. that's what guys can get it okay uh, and I, I love to use a football metaphor about investors and consumers quarterbacks who throw the football uh, to wide receivers are trained to throw the football to a one foot diameter of accuracy not low not high not out in front not behind put it right here, make it easy to catch, protect his body, let him get run after catch and score. Okay. But receivers, they're in a separate meeting room in the summer and the quarterback or the receiver coach is saying, Hey, if you can touch it, yep. you got to catch it wherever it is. Tight ends. If it's thrown high, go up high, catch it, expose your ribs, get a hit in the ribs. You'll miss eight weeks with broken ribs, but Hey, uh, you'll get us to the playoffs and we'll see you in the playoffs. That's an investor mindset. Receivers serving, sacrificing, making it easier for um, the quarterbacks, making it easier for the receivers and the receivers making it easier for the QBs. If husbands and wives did that for each other, yep. invested in them. And I know you anchor everything in the Bible and I'm anchoring in Jesus. Jesus prioritized us and our good over his own and mm. laid down to pay the penalty for our rebellion to get us back in touch with him. And then he invests his, his love and his truth through the Holy spirit, which he gives to all of us. And, and the, the, the scriptures in Philippians say, don't do anything out of selfishness or vanity and pride. That's consumer. Yep. 
in humility, consider other people more important than yourself. And don't just look out for your own interests, look out for their interests. That's yeah. the end. Philippians chapter two. It's just laid right out. Yeah. And all over Ephesians, where it talks to husbands, it says, hey, lay down your life and serve your wife. Lay down your life and serve your wife. Women would be much more able to follow and submit to a husband if he was like Jesus. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so the investment yeah. is what makes relationships go well. You don't want a friend who only borrows your lawn, lawnmower, borrows 10 bucks, doesn't bring his wallet to lunch, um, uses the stories that you tell him to tell someone else. And you're like, dang, I thought that was confidential. Right. Assuming. Yeah. You want a yeah. friend who's there for the long haul and is willing to invest in you and you need to be the same. Yep. Yep. It's, it is, it's crucial. And, and it's, I talk a lot about when I talk to my kids about, you know, becoming or my boys about becoming men. It's, it's about, and I actually stole this from a, a guy uh, who has a podcast. Um, but it's, it's about being more of a producer than you are a consumer. Like when you're dependent on me for everything, you're a consumer. You, you haven't reached manhood until you're producing more than you consume. So to this point, I, don't, I would say we're not necessarily a mature relational strength, you know, bringing value to a relationship uh, until we're investing more than we're consuming. So I, I love that you laid that out. And so I was just picking, I, I, there's a, you know, everybody's got a favorite part of a book and I just kind of love, I love that would be willing to change part that you had in there. Um, so with the, the basic story to the guys and then we'll give them the three strategies. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, we start the book, book talking about a Monday night game and I come in late. We're losing six to three. Uh, it's really intense game. Defense of Houston is killing us and I'm on the Eagles and we're killing them. Yeah. But no, doing well. And we get the ball to the 20. Coaches get greedy, call a deep corner out. It's going to take a seven-step drop, take like three seconds to get the ball off. I'm at the line of scrimmage, and uh, I'm thinking, no way is this play going to work. And that's not the Tony Robbins power of positive thinking you want to have on Monday night in the yeah. NFL. Pretty soon, I not only was thinking, man, I don't have time for a seven-step drop. I can't even get back three steps and get the ball off tonight because their pass rush is so good. Mm. Uh, I started to notice it was man-to-man -man coverage on the on the wide receivers. The corners came inside, and the strong safety lined up straight over the tight end. The free safety started cheating up from the five-yard line, and by the time I snapped the ball, he was coming full speed. Linebackers were coming. It was a blitz, full-out, all-on blitz. And the great thing is our coaches have trained us to expect blitzes. Right. I don't know that when you get married, you expect blitzes. I don't know that you go into life, you expect blitzes. You go into a job, you don't expect blitzes. You don't expect cancer. You don't expect car crashes. You don't expect trees to fall on your house. Mm -hmm. uh, expect relationships to go south. But we should. Jesus said, in this world, you're going to get blitzed. Don't panic. I've overcome the blitz. That's John 16, Yeah. Yep. So all of a sudden, with this blitz, I realize this isn't just danger. You know, something bad might happen. This is also opportunity. Hmm. And the coaches have trained us to not stick with the old play, but make an adaptation, a change, sight adjust. And so I changed to a five-step drop as quick as I could, got ready to get rid of the ball. Free safety's chasing, is, is running right in my face. The one guy we couldn't block. Tight end changes his route. 
other linemen are diving in front of people, running backs are diving in front of people. Everyone's adapting, sacrificing to seize the opportunity of this dangerous blitz. And Keith Jackson, all pro tight end, he beats the strong safety by half a step. I throw the ball just before getting hit, land on my back, goes in Keith's hands. He falls in the end zone. We score the only touchdown of the game on the worst blitz of the game. And we oh, wow. Wow. That's, that's the title of the book. Facing the blitz is turning trials into triumphs, yep. into positives. Mm. And guess what? The whole Bible is a book of blitzes. And Jesus' whole life is modeled on the paradigm of the blitz. What, what guy in history was expected to have a bigger success and look like a worse failure, gets falsely arrested, falsely accused, beaten up, whipped 39 times almost to death, yeah, that come on a cross when he was completely innocent. In fact, he'd prayed the night before to not have to do this, but he said, "Not my will, Father, your will be done." And he did it on purpose as the most courageous, studly guy ever. And everyone right. abandoned him. They abandoned him. Peter denied him. Judas, of course, betrayed him. And he says, "Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing." Yeah. Hey, do yourself a favor when you get done listening to this episode and go check out my sponsors on their websites. Those links will be in the show notes, but I want to thank the following for supporting Last in Line podcast. I want to thank Armored Nation Coffee. I want to thank the folks at Do Work That Matters. Uh, I want to thank Kevin Fulton over at Lead Like Lions. Thank you to Gridiron Coffee. And thank you to Cowboy Revolution Apparel. Those are just a few, and we're adding to the list, but these are ones who have started with us at Ground Zero and are sticking with us uh, till the end, hopefully. So go check out their website, get some of their products. Now back to the show. So Jesus, in the Blitz, had the three big strategies. First, he saw the long term. He was winning eternal life and victory for us. Right. He set before him. He endured the cross. Number two, he was humble and willing to change. Yeah. God, I'd rather not go to the cross, but I'll do what you want if that's what's best. In fact, Jesus was so willing to change. He came, He left heaven and turned into a little baby, right? Yeah. Lived that's a pretty big change for God. Yeah. Okay long-term view yeah long strategy number two willing to change and you got to be humble to do that yeah audible and number three get your eyes off your little selfish self yeah being a victim stop being a consumer and focus on blessing others when your life is hard when you're going through tough stuff when you're getting persecuted something unjust has happened to you look yeah. for someone to encourage right get your eyes off yourself right that's how Martin Luther King handled it. That's how Jesus handled it. That's what the scriptures say. Overcome evil with good. Turn the other cheek. Give them yeah. the coat back. Shock them. Yeah. You're not trying to win the moment. You're trying to win eternity and brings people closer to God. Yep. Yep. And long term change and focus on blessing others as an investor. Yeah. Not so, Jeff, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, given the title of your book, it's a given you face some blitzes. Uh, what 
would you say, I mean, being in professional sports and then not being, I mean, I would imagine that's an adjustment, but there's been other things in your life. I'm sure. Can you identify one area that was just maybe the biggest blitz you think you might've faced and, and maybe had a, a huge ripple effect in your life? Yeah. Um, there's several that come to mind. Um, dad having cancer and about four and a half months and then he's gone. Mm. That was tough. Um, I had the chance to be the starting quarterback for the Seahawks one time and playing my old team, the 49ers. And in my big opportunity, I played terrible. We played terrible. I got benched at halftime. I went from first to third string, just like that. And mm. how field for a bunch of years after that, that hurt. Uh, but probably one that guys might be able to identify is something related to losing something that matters to you in a big way, your mm. career. So my last year of football, I played really well for the Seahawks at the end of the year and then for the um, Eagles to finish the season out and signed a big contract. Um, was excited that I'd revived my career, went back um, to training camp, and I was the last guy cut. The day after the last day of cuts, there were still too many guys on the roster. I was the guy they were trying to trade, and mm. then uh, I fly home from Philly to Seattle. And uh, I'm a believer in God. I know he's in charge. I have faith. I give talks about, you know, all this perseverance trials, but I'll tell you what, man, uh, I, this shocked me because I had really seen God open my career back up and I couldn't believe it was turning South again. And I was cut and kicked out of the league. So I went home and for four weeks I was praying, God, please give me another team. I'm ready. Um, I want to keep playing. Um, he had other plans, plans. Yeah. After four weeks, no one had called. And I called up the Seahawks after their quarterback got hurt. And I told the coach who I knew, um, coach, I'm in town. I'm in shape. I'm ready. Well, I left a message for him and he left one for me. Uh, I was sure that they were going to sign me. Right. Mm -hmm. prayer was God. I'll serve you. Yeah. Circumstances. That's not a very good prayer. Fix me, fix my circumstances. The better one is fix me, right? Mm -hmm. Change me so I can handle whatever comes. Anyway, coach uh, calls, says, sorry, we're going to sign another guy from the world league. And to me, that seems like the, the doors slamming shut on my career and it's over after 11 years. And I go out the front door of my house, slam the door, sit down on the front porch, um, just on the stoop. And, you know, I've got a four bedroom home, electricity, hot water, great big backyard, three healthy sons, had 11 years in the NFL as a free agent. Uh, God's blessed me in tons of ways. Super family. Um, I played with Reggie White, Steve Largent, coached, you know, by Bill Walsh, Mike Holmgren, threw the ball to Jerry Rice. And I'm sitting down saying, this sucks. And God, this isn't fair. And I'm not even going to pray. I'm just going to sit here and feel this stinking pain because it shouldn't finish like this. Mm -hmm. So I'm having this pity party for myself. And not praying, like not trying to not pray. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, my wife, who is my ultimate teammate, although I believe you have best friends other than your wife. Sure. It can help you be a better husband. My wife comes out and she goes, oh, Jeff, I can't imagine how much this hurts. I got to remind you, we've been through some tough things, trades and being cut and difficulties. And God's always had a purpose and a plan. He always does something good eventually. And I said, I know that. I just can't believe it's finishing like this. And, you know, my voice is pretty frustrated. I said, Stacy, I just want to finish with some dignity. 
and she decides she needs a little tough love instead of the soft. So she goes, well, as I recall, when Jesus left this world, he didn't get any dignity. Maybe, maybe you need to let go of that desire. Now, I'm a husband speaker, and we speak at marriage conferences all the time. And uh, I didn't exactly practice my best husbanding skills when I turned to her and said, maybe you need to go inside. <laughs> she goes inside. <laughs> but in about 20 seconds, John, I had the most unbelievable turnaround from a blitz to a blessing. Wow. To a triumph from a whining, selfish, consumer, little boy victim mentality, complaining about not getting a 12th year of football mm-hmm. when I really didn't deserve anything. God blessed me with all of it. Mm-hmm. A guy who was all of a sudden thinking about Jesus on Good Friday, putting himself up on the cross voluntarily for me, and then raising from the dead and sending the Holy Spirit in me and giving me eternal life and saying, abide in me and you'll bear a lot of fruit. And you're my ambassador. I'll use you. And all of a sudden, his love that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me, proving his love for me. Romans 5.8. I was flooded with that thought. And all of a sudden, I couldn't help but pray. I was feeling his love flood on me in this moment of loss and self-pity and rejection. Didn't have my career anymore. You, know, you could have said I lost my identity as an NFL quarterback. BS. Yeah. I never in football or career. Yeah. No other guy listening to us has in his identity in his career or his performance yeah. or his bodybuilding or his cash. You know, your identity isn't earned, it's received from the father. And I was forgetting that for a moment. Yeah. It's to me that Jesus has purchased it for me. I'm a beloved son of the father. And I started to pray and thank him. And then I heard these words forget what lies behind and press on to what lies ahead. And it was like, God said, turn the corner, Jeff, jump into the next chapter, use this yeah. football to help shape fathers and men and marriages and families. Wow. And kingdom. So yeah. I've been through some pain, but with the help of my wife and with the help of my huddles, I've turned to the Lord and he's turned bad things to good. And he wants to do that for every guy. That's, that's why yeah. we're talking about right right and and you know what your problem got a lot smaller when you magnified him and so that's a that's for somebody out there that might be going through something that it's well it's all in what you magnify in your life and and you thanks to a a a nice wife who heard obviously from the holy spirit to give you that wisdom and you took it and so that's that's a great story so i appreciate you sharing that yeah and you, you mentioned that as the number three is the reach out to others. And and I want to talk about this uh, acronym because I'm a big nerd when it comes to acronyms. And you, uh, you mentioned this lift approach, which is, I wrote it, you know, it's life is for transformation, L-I-F-T. And that folds in right into this servant leadership that we are about here. And so it kind of goes in and it goes into this reaching out, you know, and it requires humility, right? It requires all those other things you just mentioned. But so how do we as guys, like, let's say we've comprehended all this, you know, other things of, okay, I can see the dream. I can see the vision. I can see the long-term eternal perspective. I'm a, I, I've figured out, even though it was a struggle, I figured out how to be a little more humble um, and a little more coachable, right? From guys to my left and to my right who know more than me. Um, so I'm willing to learn. And then we go, 
into this next part of, okay, now I've got to start focusing on other people. That's, that's not a natural bend for some people. Like we're, we're selfish creatures, right? A kid at, at one year old or whatever, his first words are mine. So I, I would say, talk to the guys now about this flipping the script, looking through a different lens and really just like learning how to adopt servant leadership as a lifestyle. Yeah. You got to care about other people to do this, right? Yeah. All right. Well, I got the word lift from my dad because when he died and we had his memorial service, there were an awful lot of people that said what a difference he made in their life. Mm. Um, guys from inner cities, guys that he'd helped um, get out of drug rehab and get a job. And a lot of minorities that said he gave them a crack at the American dream and told them that they should own a business someday and not just work for someone. A lot of football buddies of his, all sorts of people from all walks of life. Okay. And Bill Bennett, who was Secretary of Education with my dad, working for uh, President Bush, my dad was Secretary of Housing and Urban Development, inner city, um, kind of the leader of that area of the government. Bill Bennett came to my house after the memorial and said, Joanne, my mom, Jeff, Jennifer, Judith, Jimmy, family, friends, I got to tell you this about Jack. Actually, first he made fun of Jack, told some funny stories, made us laugh. It was great man, man yeah. uh, compliments. And then he said, Wherever Jack went, whatever the issue, whatever the situation, to whoever he spoke, Jack Kemp brought lift, a sunny, optimistic disposition that we can make the future better than today and that anyone can rise to their God-given potential. Yeah. And I said, wow, that's like uh, the air underneath the wings of a, an airplane. That's lift. Okay, or that's getting underneath someone and giving them a shove so they can make it up the ladder or climb the tree. That's yeah. lift. That's yeah. meant the next leader. Okay, but there's another piece of it. Life is for transformation is the acronym, yeah. meaning, hey, this is a broken world. We're jacked up people. I have pride, selfishness. I have lust. I have too much self-consciousness. Um, I defend myself too quickly. Yeah. I waste sometimes. Um Sometimes they get focused on just the moment, all right? I'm going from a not-so-good version of Jeff to a better version of Jeff. I'm yeah. trans from being like me with no Jesus in me to being conformed to the image of Jesus. And this world is going from lost and separated from God to reconnected to God through Jesus. And someday this world will be transformed when Jesus comes back and he takes all the beautiful that turned bad and recreates it to be beautiful again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Live in paradise forever if we accepted his gift. So transformation, you're supposed to bring shalom. That's peace. <laughs> you're supposed to bring opportunity, kindness, love. And so other people are important to God. So they got to be important to you. But even if you're kind of utilitarian oriented, if you're a football coach and you don't focus on making your players better, you're going to lose. Of course. Of course. He went to coach Noel uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers years ago and became a coach after two years of playing. He said, coach Noel, what exactly is my job as a defensive back coach? He said, your job is to help your players play better football and become better football players. You do everything you can to make your players become better. That other centeredness is at the center of being a great coach. Yeah. A great husband, a 
a great dad, a great grandpa, a great mentor, a great friend. Right. Okay. Feels great to win a game. You can't win games by yourself. So, dude, start caring about other people and bring out the best in them. Even if they don't help you win, there's a cool feeling that they won. Yeah. And, and that's something we got to get to. And, and our society, I think, would take it on a different complexion. If, if the men alone, everybody, but if the men got that and it bled into their relationships, I think we see games get changed. I want to read a quote from your book. And if I can see it in the, the light here, maybe. But it's under this lift leadership serves. It talks about different things that lift leadership does, right? It serves, it loves. So this one is, is it says, uh, great leadership serves others and adds value to their lives in, a, in a, a manner that causes them to repeat it and pay it forward. Empower them, equip them, turn them into leaders who lift others. Just what you're saying. It's multiplication, not addition. Again, it's the power of humility and example, which leads to success in others, not just in the leaders themselves. Great leadership serves. The greatest leadership replicates by creating other servant leaders. I mean, you almost verbatim just said, articulated what I was about to read. And I think, I mean, that's good. I love the writing too. I'm a writer, so I, I love the words that you use there. Um, so lift leadership is something that you're living every day, right? And you're trying to empower others to do the same and then teach others. I mean, I think second Timothy two, two says, take what, you know, I've taught you teach it to faithful men who can teach others. Also, I think that is where we get to as, as lift leaders, but we got to take our focus first and we got to put it on them before we can even teach train and, and send off. Um, you, you talked a lot about, I want to talk about these, uh, just a couple of the nuggets. You came up with 36 nuggets, right? Under this section called run the play. So we're obviously talking about an application, right? And, and, and there's 36 here. And for the audience, I will not read all of them. So you have to get the book. Um, but no, I came up with a couple that I like, but anything, I mean, you're not going to, I, I would say you're not going to be able to recite every single one, but what do you, do you have some that just kind of stand out to you just from memory or do you, uh, or is it just one of the, this is your way of life. 36 of these is just how you live your life and it's second nature to you. No, I don't have like a list in my head of 36 right. things. Right. Going through the playbook thinking I'm going to do this. Um, these are the things that I've seen done. Mm -hmm. by uh, I've seen them modeled. Yeah. Uh, I've failed to do it and realized afterwards I should have done this. Okay. Or I've done it well and it went well. Yeah. Uh, most of them I got by looking at other people, okay, and seeing examples uh, of, you know, nuggets of leadership that are awesome. Um, Steve Kerr mm -hmm. gets a new player to his team. The guy is from Turkey, not even an American. Steve Kerr flies to Turkey and gets to know him personally to get him ready to come to the team. So that nugget is get to know and care for the people in their environment. Wow. Jesus came to the shore, shoreline and the fishing docks to get to know Peter, James, John, Andrew, and those guys and said, Hey, 
how's the fishing going? Not very good. We didn't catch anything. Well, try throwing it on the other side of the boat. Yeah. Come on. We fished all night. We know fishing. Right. You don't have to, if you don't want to just try it. They do. They get overloaded. All right. He comes to them another time and makes a coal fire on the beach and has some fish frying for breakfast. Okay. So meet people in their sphere of influence. Yeah. Those are nuggets of leadership. Um, yeah. Apologize first. Yeah. The leader should apologize first. The leader should say, I blew it first. Um, I'll tell you an example of me doing the opposite of that. We played the game against the Chiefs one time. We'd lost against the, Bron uh, the Broncos the week before. I was on the Seahawks. And uh, it was 1991, my last season. And in the press conference after the Chiefs loss, um, I hadn't thrown a ton of interceptions or you know done brutal things wrong. But obviously, I didn't play good enough to win. Um, and so I just say, hey, tough game. Uh, we got to do better than that. But we're going to do better than that. We'll go back to the drawing board, work hard this week. And I know we can turn it around and play well next week, blah, blah, blah. Optimism, optimism, optimism. And one of my friends, Eugene Robinson, had the courage to be a leader, to improve his team by helping his friend. And Eugene comes to me and says, privately, Jeff, some of the defensive coaches and players, they're not sure if you're a stand-up guy because you didn't take the blame for that loss in your interview. It doesn't seem like you really got it and are responsible. Wow. He is carrying out a leadership step to serve me with some truth. Real respectfully, he, you know, he didn't say, I agree with them. He just said, this is what's being said. I felt terrible that my integrity was being challenged, but I kind of realized there was some truth to it. I hate to feel like a failure. And I just kind of came and went on to the next week, right? And so I went to the defensive coach and apologized, said, I know that I didn't play well enough. I'm responsible. I'm the leader. Uh, let the guys know um, that I feel badly about that interview and I'm taking responsibility. Um, so there's a couple nuggets in that one. Yeah. First, the leader should have taken responsibility even more than everyone else because that'll make others say, no, I dropped some passes. Oh, I didn't block well. Right quarterback doesn't take responsibility no one will secondly eugene gives me a gift of feedback yeah that's a great leadership step to help another player get better and then i went ahead and apologized and tackled it head on so leadership yeah. they're all over the that's awesome that's so good mate so we're going to close this up and i want you to talk about practical ways the huddle can change people's lives and how, what it did for you to try to get this kind of get this concept and it's already applying it. Give the guys some, some meat today about a huddle. Okay. Well, the, the reason for a huddle from the, the book sure. the blitz is even though there's a long-term strategy, a willingness to change because you're humble and a focus on others and kind of lifting them and investing in them. Um, you can't do that alone. You know, a quarterback can't get anything done alone. No. Frankly, none of us can. Yeah. You, and that's why God made us for uh, some friendships and, and kind of a small team of buddies. Mm -hmm. That's what I call a huddle. And a huddle isn't, you know, 10 guys or five guys. It's not a Bible study you go to once a month. Um, it might not even be a Bible study you go to every week because there's nine guys. There's curriculum talked about for an hour and 20 minutes. And then, hey, what are your prayer requests for the last 10 minutes? Yeah. Dude, that is not going deep. Yep. And I have nothing against the Bible study. It's just the reality. You need a place for friendship, okay? So in a huddle, you're encouraged. Truth is spoken. 
you're warned, um, you learn a game plan, you get recalibrated, and then you go out and run the play. And a huddle is a weekly meeting with one or two, maybe three other deep friends. I call mm. them level five friends, and we'll talk mm. about level five. It's mainly uh, that you're meeting with them every week and being confidential. Yeah. But a huddle is getting together every week and you ask simple questions. What's the most important thing going on in your life, John? Yeah. How can I pray for you? Mm -hmm. And then here's a third one. Hey, uh, what are you hearing from Father God in his word? Mm -hmm. And if a dude's not hearing anything because he's not reading the Bible, you don't beat him up, but he's going to want to hear something from God next week. So he has something to say. Yeah. Maybe spend a little time having a devotion Mm. And hopefully he'll go to God as a father, a son going to a father versus a Christian going to the Bible. Yeah. Right. That, that, so I've got a little uh, men huddle playbook here. Yeah. It gives the guy real simple coaching. You pray for God to guide you to a couple guys who you think might become deep. Friends. And then you go ask him, Hey, I'm into, um, a deep friendship that'll be kind of like my team of guys who got my back and I got theirs and I want to walk through life and process life with them, but I'd like it to be confidential, safe, consistent, committed. Uh, I want to get it done in about an hour. I don't have three hours to do this. Right. I want to do it every week. Are you up for that? And if the guy says no, cool, go on to the next guy. But when you yeah. find it, yeah, I would like that. And I agree. I want to be confidential. We got each other's back. As soon as that happens, you know who you can go deep with. Yeah. And, and the levels of friendship, level one, casual, level two, you know, yeah. level three, pretty good. You like them a lot. You shared a yeah. couple. Level four, you call them up at 2 a.m. and ask for help in a crisis. Yeah. Uh, you, you've been through some battles. You've got some secrets on the table with each other. Yeah. But you don't stay in touch all the time. And you're not mm. absolutely sure that he's confidential. It's not consistent. And, not consistent so le level five friends they add the consistency yeah find the safety and the purpose to grow yep and if you want to get a huddle started it's it, awesome you might, well let's let's maybe go hunting or for a meal or a long hike and we'll tell stories about our dads and our upbringing maybe some of the blitzes we've been through yeah and maybe the first week john you can tell your whole life story and what you want out of the group next week, the other guy can share. And the next week, another guy can share. And yeah. then after every week, it's the same simple thing. Yeah. Most important thing to talk about. How can I pray for you? And what's father God? Telling yep. you from and so, okay. So you've given us a charge and you've, you've, you're getting ready to show us how to find the resources to put legs on this. So where do we go find the huddle resources that you provide and tell us where to go get more of your and where to find your book as well. Well, the book, you know, uh, anywhere, right. Amazon, Amazon and, um, you know, Barnes and Noble and, and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but just go online, punch in yeah. face, Jeff Kemp and facing the blitz. Okay. Find it, okay. Um, when guys want 10 or 20 and they want maybe a autographed to give to a group, I, I'll do that directly if, if they email me. Okay. Also a free six-week and 12-week group discussion guide. Okay. Got a short one-minute video, a couple of cool questions, okay. a, a Bible verse or two or three. 
Um, and it's really easy stuff to talk about because guys will open up and tell their blitz stories. <laughs> we yeah, all got for sure. For sure. Well, that's the book, but this thing yeah. um, is just a digital PDF. Okay. On my website, jeffteam.com, jeffkempteam.com. And men huddle is the basic idea and name for the mission I have with men to help mm -hmm. them level five friendship and huddle every week and have the confidence and support of a guy that's got your back. It's fun. Yep. It's, yep. And you know, not only is it good to be prayed for, but it's a great place to confess your sin. Because sure. God, confess your sin to God vertically. He says in James 5, confess yep. one to another so you'll be set free. Right. That's a much stronger confession. You may not want to tell the guy you struggle with porn this week right. or you or such and such, whatever it was, uh, he's going to think I'm a schmuck. Guess what? The second you tell him, he's going to respect you more. And he's yeah. probably going to tell you something that he's been holding yeah. back and he needs to confess. For sure. Yeah. The next week because of it. That's been my experience. That's good. I, man, Jeff, there's been a lot here. And I, I, the book I can attest to, there's so much that we can apply. Um, and it's, it's not over anyone's head. It's not super complicated. It's real world. It's stories, it's application and it's biblical centered. So you can't lose with that combination. So I really appreciate you coming on today, Jeff, before we go, would you uh, pray over these guys that are listening? Yeah, man. I, let's just pretend like we're in a huddle, right? That's right. That's right. Got our eyes open. We're looking at each other. We're getting ready to run the play, but um I just want to ask Father God uh, to do what he wants to do in every one of these guys. First of all, let them know how much you love them and that you've adopted them and you've given them credit for Jesus's righteousness. And you tell them they've got what it takes and they measure up and that they are good men in Christ and to stop listening to the lies and the shame from the enemy. Okay. And Father, I pray that uh, they would also hear the words in Jesus's book, um, and that they'd act upon them uh, that say, let's figure out creative ways to stir and spur each other on to love and good deeds and not to forget getting together and huddling as some people are in the habit of doing in the year 2022 in a digital, mobile, isolated culture. Help these dudes build deep friendships by committing to huddle up every week with one or two other guys. I pray you'd guide them to the guys get them ready for it and then help them open up and be honest and stick with it. Uh, that teamwork will make us all a better men, more like Christ uh, mm -hmm. who can beat our blitzes and also achieve great things for you that advance the kingdom. Cause that's what that counts. So bless these guys, their marriages, their fathering, their friendships in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Thank you for providing the resources you provide. Thank you for encouraging and really challenging us to go find that one or two guys that we can huddle with and get real with and do life with. So I appreciate it very much. It was an honor to get to meet you with that. He's been Jeff Kemp. We've been last in line. Be blessed. Be blessed.